Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. On today's episode, Noelle and I are going to talk about the top four trends for coaches from the Global Global Wellness Summit of 2023. Noelle. Yes, and I think both John and I have colds, so this is this is going to be the the under the weather podcast talking about the trends from the Global Wellness Summit. John, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's raining here in Los Angeles, and uh, it's the first time in my life that uh, I'm actually sick of the rain. Uh, usually, being in LA, you're thirsty for the rain, but this year, it's rained more this year in LA than I think my I, I, the entire I've been here for 43 years, and it's never rained this much. So it feels like Oregon in Los Angeles. Wow, I think we swapped weather because it's been you know sunny. I remember yeah it's been sunny and warm and kind of 60, but I've been on the road um, almost the whole month of of, of March. And so, you know, we're mm. really just getting back to it with the spring weather. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. However, however stuffy we both are. And yeah. I think what's important to set up our time together today is to explain what the global wellness summit is and why these trends reports are so important. Mm-hmm. The global wellness summit is one of the only organizations in the world that actually tracks data and trends around the $3.4 trillion wellness market. And that's where coaching is housed. So for coaches, um, there's not a lot of industry research in our space, specifically on coaching, because it's such a new field. And so when we're trying to figure out, you know, where are the trends? Where do we go? How do we build our businesses? You know, what are we really seeing? The Global Wellness Summit is one of the strongest predictors of what's going to happen. They're typically about four years ahead of, mm. of what actually comes to pass. So right now, uh, four years ago, the Global Wellness Summit predicted that workforce wellness and coaching was going to be one of the top trends. And boom, you know, here we are today. So this is the trends report that just came out in 2023. And so as we're kind of working through this, we want to understand it from the lens of where are we at now and where can we expect to grow and build in the future? Yeah, so if you're listening, you get to look into the crystal ball today. <laughs> we see do. How things are panning out. Yeah. Yes. Right, so trend number one, and uh, this this trend I actually um, think has been happening for a while, and it's uh, connection and and gathering versus uh, loneliness and isolation. That's happening. Yes. This is huge. So, you know, let's set this up a little bit too. So we're entering our fourth year of the pandemic. And just for some context, um, kids that started high school when they first started the pandemic are about to graduate. And right, right. And same thing for college. And so Mm -hmm. we've lost, you know, so much in this span of time. And for most of the world, it's been a long, difficult and very confusing era. And so what we're seeing is that starting in 2022, people really rushed to return to life. They really rushed to see people, to travel. They want real world experiences. Mm -hmm. And so 
as this was taking place, there was a lot of conjecture happening around, well, what is going to happen? But 2022 gave us the data that we need and the actual reports based on both observation and evidence. Um, so global surveys are now showing that where we thought wellness spending was going to slow down because it was once a luxury item, it's actually speeding up. Mm. And it's a top priority for people worldwide that despite a tough economy, they're really upping their wellness spend. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that because the consumers themselves have changed. So people are now more reflective. They want science-backed approaches. They're less selfish. They're, they're more concerned about other people in the planet. And they want solutions that are meaningful and they work. So as we're kind of taking into consideration, you know, who is this consumer, it really comes down to, well, what have they lost? And this is where this trend on connection really comes into play because people have lost so much. Um, loneliness is one of the biggest issues. This is something, mm -hmm. um, John, I think you and I have both really struggled with over our lives is loneliness. What, what has loneliness meant to you and how have you really contended with it in the course of your life? Um, I think there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Uh, mm -hmm. That line blurs for me often because um, I, I work uh, um, a lot by myself, uh, punching keys, writing books, all of that stuff. And so um, I just have to be aware that if I'm spending too much time by myself, I could start to feel lonely. Um, there, there are parts of me that I, uh, I, I need to be by myself to hit creativity and flow states. And to me, that's like solitude. Um, but I tend to forget that I am human and I need to engage with other people. And so if I don't, you know, I, I literally have to set an alarm or I can for hours drown in this. Um, and then I start to feel really kind of lonely, isolated. And so, yeah, for me, it's very blurry. I just have to make sure that um, I'm not uh, by myself for too long. Uh, meaning stretches of, you know, weeks, months, um, just working solo. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert. And during the pandemic, there was a point at which I questioned myself, uh, am I really extroverted? Am I really changing? And I think what I discovered is that I was just emotionally drowning. And globally, loneliness is skyrocketing. And it's been for some time. And there are a lot of things that we know about loneliness. We know that it kills people when you spend too much time alone because we're like human plants and we need other people. And that it's also the number one predictor of health and happiness in relationships. This is one of the reasons why Lumia was built around community to make sure that our coaches and community have the support that they need as they work to serve others. I remember when we first began for your 40th birthday party, you invited people from your community, from your TAT community to come join you. And I thought that was one of the bravest, most generous and craziest things I'd ever heard. <laughs> How did it come out? I don't, this is 10 years ago. I don't remember. Um, did I ask them to join me online? Was it an online party? No, it was like at a cabin in the woods somewhere. Oh, I don't, um, man, my memory is shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of cabins, one of the things that I'm realizing is, uh, so I've been doing these kind of micro retreats, is the power of community, the power of surrounding yourself with like-minded people, um, especially in different environments. So obviously online, 
but also in person, in the woods, uh, taking yourself out of the city. And uh, it's been like medicine for me. It's really, uh, there are things that I never really, I wasn't into. I'm not really into retreats, storm retreats, but um, something about, you know, 20 people in the woods it was a, has been a great reminder of um, just the power of human, a human connection. So that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So uh, from from this particular trend, what do coaches need to know? I think first and foremost is that the pandemic was a breaking point, and we're now seeing a surge of business development based on social connection as the center of the concept. So what you just shared, John, that you're now throwing retreats and that there's something absolutely magical about 20 people in the woods, this is where coaches are finding traction right now. And with remote work especially, people need everyday places to be and belong. Um, I've had a long running joke that my next job is going to be working at a coffee house. And and I, I think it might be because people need places to gather and belong. And to me, that feels so lovely and intimate to have a, a small gathering space. Um, so as we're tackling this trend of loneliness as wellness practitioners, as coaches, we all need to be imagining into this space because it hasn't been created yet. There hasn't been a focus on building in-person community for the purpose of connection and touchstones, just for the purpose of, of having that like-minded group of people together. Um, startups are starting to bring to connection to those who need it most. New social apps and platforms are doing things. John, I saw this trend and thought of you. Um, one of the trends right now is dinner parties for strangers. And yeah. you and Buddy did that. Yes, back in the day. And uh, back in those feelings. Yeah. yeah. Bringing, uh, bringing, bringing nine people together, strangers. And uh uh, you know, you know, it, it's not just about loneliness. It makes you feel because uh, for that hour and a half or whatever, you're you're not thinking about your problems. You're hearing other people's stories, so it makes um, you not dwell on your problems. It pulls you out of you know your uh, your shit. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the things about human connection that we forget is that when we're by ourselves, the only you know opportunity that we have is to be inside of our own heads or to be stimulating ourselves with our senses. But when you're with other people, it does pull you out and you're forced to co-create an experience. And it's not only startups and coaches and retreats that are really getting into the benefits of human connection. Um, governments with policy, mm -hmm. as we're going to talk mm -hmm. about a little bit later on, are starting to fight loneliness because they're seeing these entry points for connection as social medicine. So what this means for you as a coach is that now is the time to consider connecting your clients. Um, yeah. Just like John has modeled for us, you know, with the retreats, with meetups, Zoom, um, any other creative ideas to bring like-minded people together to foster connection. Um, John, what would you say to folks who have never done this before? What's a great way to think about how to begin engaging groups in this way? Wow. Um, I always go to documentation. So I always go to start talking about it. So, in, you know, because people put so much weight on the end product, um, like uh, when, when there used to be DVDs, you know, all the bonus scenes behind behind the scenes, right? Um, a lot of times people bought DVDs, not just for the movie or their favorite movie, but all the stuff they didn't see in the movie, right? And I think if you want to create... Um, a community, if you want to do, you know, small retreats or even like dinner parties, 
Talk about your fear of doing it. Talk about uh, all the behind the scenes. And what it does is it gets people really interested. And so when you do offer the invitation, people are already hooked by the story behind it. So I think a lot of people make the mistake, a lot of coaches make the mistake of just saying, here's the banner, here's what I'm doing. Um, But you get a lot of buy-in if you start talking about why you're doing it, what scares you about it, um, you know, what your expectations, all of that stuff. And so then when you say, come over, um, people are like, oh, I know the story. I want to contribute to this, you know? Yeah. And I think there's, there's such a huge fear in humanizing oneself as a professional. And that's one of the areas where coaching is really breaking down barriers because vulnerability is often the entry point to signal to somebody that you understand them, that they can understand you to really forge that human connection. And, you know, in thinking about this, and one of the things that I love about our community is that it's co-equal. Coaching is a co-equal relationship where coach and client are equal. The coach isn't, you know, in charge of the relationship. It's a co-facilitated relationship. And within our community, I've formed friendships, you formed friendships. It's very non-hierarchical. And so I think it's a, a really great example of how you can kind of take your mask off and be a human and be held, you know, by other people yeah. that you benefit as well as a coach. All right. This trend two. leads into trend number two, which is wellness tourism. Um, you have a lot more experience here than I do, John. What do you? What's wellness tourism to you? What's been your experience with it? Well, I was going to say, what is your definition of wellness tourism for people who um, are foreign to that concept? Yeah. So my understanding of wellness tourism is that you're traveling, obviously. The consumer mm-hmm. is traveling. And while that consumer is traveling, that human wants to experience some element of wellness, whether it's a massage Mm -hmm. or a Reiki session or a coaching session or a retreat Mm -hmm. that's focused on self-discovery or self-growth or um, learning something new, um, bettering yourself in some way while you are traveling. Yeah, I think um, I don't travel much, but um, I have clients that do. And so... Uh, a lot of clients want me in their pocket, so you know that that uh, you know um, is, is can be part of uh, wellness tourism, maybe. Uh, but I think we're kind of all thirsty for um, new experiences, you know. And so, um, whether it's retreats or sound baths, or uh, the big thing right now is ice plunges. Everyone's kind of doing that, myself included. Um, just uh, new experiences in general. So when it comes to wellness tourism, I think people are very open and thirsty for um, new experiences that kind of uh, fall under the umbrella of self-betterment, bettering yourself, being a better person, all of that. So um, even things like speed dating, even things like, you know, that are kind of like half social and half um, uh, wellness, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, like, yeah. I, I agree. And I think the, the retreats that you've been hosting are a fantastic example of wellness tourism. And mm-hmm. thinking about what you said with um, your clients wanting to have you in their pocket, um, BetterHelp just formed a partnership with W Hotels that when you check into the hotel, you can get a therapy mm-hmm. session. And wow. yeah, just thinking about this for coaches, um, what's what's happening right now with the trend and and this this message is is really focused so you know wellness tends to be really whitewashed there aren't a lot of of bipoc mm-hmm. you know wellness 
creators out there right now. And the direction that we're headed in is that people actually want to have authentic experiences, indigenous experiences. And so we're seeing an opening and an entry point like never before. And thank God we are for folks who are indigenous, um, who like live in LA, like you do, John, to say, come have an authentic experience because travelers want to have authentic cultural experiences alongside of their wellness experiences. And so I'd love to shoot this up as kind of like a rallying cry that if you feel like you're in the wellness space and you look around and say, well, nobody looks like me, go anyway, go for it anyway, put your foot on the gas anyway, because this is the time for diverse practitioners to really rise in the wellness space. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, especially today, and I'm seeing this in media, um, minorities are, um, they've finally been given the stage, you know? And so, uh, I think it's a plus if you're a minority, you have the opportunity to create that kind of space for any kind of, yeah, different culture, you know, um, wherever you're at in your life. So that's, uh, I, I think that door is, um, has cracked open. I mean, that's how I see it. And so it's, it's, a, there's a, a whole, whole ripple with uh, wellness, of course, and entertainment where it's a, it's a good time for this. It has, it has cracked open yeah. and it's time to kick it open. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, our, our Lumia community is so diverse and it's, it's something I'm super proud of. Um, so, you know, what does this mean for you as a coach? It's, it's, Everything from understanding local traditions, wherever you happen to live, to spirituality. Um, You can reach out to your own local hotel and resort, reach out to local tour guides or even travel agents and negotiate to get on the menu um, of attractions and of care providers. Mm -hmm. The, The sky is the limit and folks know that coaching is one of the missing links between wellness and care. And folks are really hungry to have those experiences. So kind of along the same lines of of retreats and gathering, this is a time when this has never existed before. So there is no template for it. And everyone needs to get really creative as they're driving into the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that as an opportunity. Me too. Me too. Yeah. The third uh, trend is the explosion of wellness in the workplace, right? Um, Workplace wellness finally starting to mean something. And uh, of course, you see a lot of this, right, on on the the corporate end, meetings. I do. And we've been talking about this for a really long time. We've been talking about this well before it was popular um, Mm -hmm. because we knew that the psychological hit of the pandemic really broke trust with organizations and that uh, a ripple would be created throughout the workforce for years. And we're seeing this happen now in really huge waves. Worldwide, 70% of workers have experienced burnout in the past year. And a recent global study, and I love this statistic, found that 38% of workers hate their jobs so much that they wouldn't wish their jobs on their worst enemy. (laughs) A lot of people become coaches because, yeah, they don't like their jobs. There isn't a sense of purpose. There's no passion. And so helping people seems like the it needs to become popular because uh, they want to feel um, more purpose in their life. You know? Absolutely. And a lot of people are becoming coaches to go back into the workforce to help solve a lot of these problems within organizations yeah. that, that let them down previously. And so what we're seeing this trend is rallying against has been 
what happened in the past, which is this idea of superficial wellness uh, at work where, you know, it would be like, well, let's just order pizza for everyone as like the blanket solution for mass misery. Like pizza doesn't heal emotional trauma from managers, right? Um, so what this means for coaches is that now is the time for coaching and wellness to move inside corporations. And this is a numbers game. So when the job applications are starting to show up for internal coaches, and there's a huge surge of them, everybody wants ICF credentialed coaches with experience. That's just Mm -hmm. across the board in industry. But there are only 50,000 credential holders of ICS credentials globally. So the demand for coaches to support the workforce is really unequal right now. And this includes everything from manager preparedness to coach-hosted offsites and gatherings. So you don't have to be uh, a managerial coach or an executive coach to work inside of workforce wellness. You can be a wellness coach helping folks with meditation and mindfulness and posture and mobility and emotions and financial health that comes inside to help kind of get rid of that superficial junk that's been going around for a really long time. Yeah. And I've I've been feeling this. um, Farmers Insurance contacted me and, 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 you know, a company like that where you're thinking insurance, um, they're starting to care about wellness and wanted me to uh, speak and, 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 you know, possibly run something over a weekend. And so that's just proof that, you know, once insurance companies are open to to, uh, wellness and um, then it like it definitely has penetrated. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is happening. It's a it's a trend. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you think it would be like if this this trend is successful? Well, I think uh, um, even if you don't like your job, just the fact that your company cares about your well being is going to make um, you a happier employee. So I think if this is successful, uh, people are going to be happier, which of course is going to lead to uh, better performance. But just overall quality of uh, people in the workspace, threading wellness into their life, like the line between work life and wellness that, you know, being blurred is going to make work much, uh, much better, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. The world is really changing right now. And I think that this change is just going to continue to be accelerated at workforce wellness and and workforce place reform is set to change everything. And Mm -hmm. coaching being a discipline that's really centered around empathy, listening, and forging connection with others is is 100% going to be at the forefront of this. Yeah, yeah. And I love that we've kind of like moved through this this huge um, funnel, if you will. We, we started out with retreats and gathering and then into the bigger mm-hmm. space of hospitality mm-hmm. and then work. And now our final trend is what's happening with governments and policy. So yeah. we're kind of seeing how this is really expanding out on on a global level, which is a very exciting time to be alive, I think. What is happening um, in government and policy or is there just a lot happening? As far as There's a lot are. happening. Um, so w- one of the things that's been taking place is, I mean, w- let's just let's talk about, you know, where where we're at here. Money drives everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and beyond beyond our capitalistic system, government interventions to provide wellness ha- now have teeth and staying power. So why? Why is this happening? Governments know 
the crippling economic and societal costs when people don't feel physically and mentally well. In the United States, productivity dropped. They know that unless unwellness shrinks down, the labor force is going to, to really be hurting. And that's the worst possible combo for long-term economic growth. So essentially, governments have known for a really long time that preventative wellness saves public money because it costs less than a bunch of sick and unwell and unhappy and, un and depressed people. And the pandemic really forced this all um, into the spotlight because of the way that folks were really breaking down and suffering. And, and honestly... I think that we're just starting to see the outcomes of all of the trauma that we went through during the pandemic now, mm -hmm. like now, because everybody rushed back to the world in 2022, like, oh, just kidding, you know, nothing to see here. And I think right. now is the time when we're really starting to see in families and relationships and schools and communities that the mental cracks and strain. And so policy, um, funding, programs, mm -hmm are beginning to flood into the wellness space. And this is really good news for coaches. What's yeah, your take more, on all of it? More jobs, more opportunities. Um, what's my take on, on, uh, on this stuff? I don't, uh, I don't know a lot about, um, like you do, because you uh, read so much and you take in all the latest, you know, data and stuff um, like this global summit. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know a lot about what's happening in uh, government and policy, um, I do feel, um, and this has been happening for a long time, the swell of uh, the commercialization of wellness. And maybe I'm more, because yeah. uh, I play in that field. Um, so uh, the different type of ads and social media, um, how people are talking, what they're talking about. So I feel all of that. But as far as um, as far as the government, I, I don't, it's, it's too far away. <laughs> I don't know what's happening on that side. That's totally fair. Um, yeah. In 2022, the U.S. Surgeon General um, released a recommendation that the number one thing we could do for, for people in the United States was worker equity. And that, mm -hmm. to me, was just astounding to see in print from a government agency. It talked uh, about things like connection and meaning and purpose, you know, yeah, within yeah. within the landscape of worker equity. So that what how this actually plays out and what people are going to begin to experience are different policies aimed at physical, mental, um, environmental, and even financial well-being. So this is everything from like healthy eating campaigns to regenerative agriculture to biodiversity protection, all the way down to like, you know, how like there are some countries that have started passing laws that your boss can't contact you during certain hours. Mm. Wow, that's right? amazing! I love. Isn't that? that Boundaries. So, and though, and those are the kinds of like government policies that are yeah. starting to move into place to support wellness. So for coaches, this means that grants are available. If you need money to start your business, if you're working mm. in communities, if you're bringing this kind of wellness to people where you live, you can probably get a grant to run your business because this space is being created for folks to do work in. Two really great examples. Japan launched a project spanning a host of wellness objectives with a focus on boosting the health span of its aging population. So let's just take that for, for a second. Um, boosting the health span of its aging population. This is the work of coaches. You know, this is mental stimulation. 
This is mobility and aging. This is hobbies. This is community. This is connection. And then in New York City, the mayor's office just invested $44 million to train 200,000 doctors on nurses on how to use preventative lifestyle medicine. That's coaching. (laughs) That is straight up coaching. And so all of these initiatives are going to need to be staffed. Lifestyle medicine. That's interesting. I've never heard that term. Lifestyle medicine is is a fancy word for coaching. It's behavioral adaption. We need coach. I mean, we've known for a long time that coaching is the missing link between behavioral adaption and actual lifestyle health. And so I think that that's what we're starting to see here. And I'm here for it. Yeah. So uh, whether you've been thinking about coaching or you're in the Lumia program um, or you're just kind of curious about wellness in general, I hope uh, this podcast episode was helpful in kind of painting a picture for you uh, how everything is growing, where everything's headed. And so lots of opportunities. Yes. And now we both need tea and honey. Yes. Uh, We need (laughs) our own little wellness in our life today. Thank you for listening. Be well. Take care. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.